Good morning, church family. Happy New Year. That was really weak. Seems like some people are a little bit nervous about this year. Happy New Year. There we go. I love it. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I have been given the, uh, the unique honor of uh, preaching on January 1 uh, this morning, and honor is the uh, correct word for it. Uh, the good news for you, uh, this with it being one service, is that uh, this is going to be the best message I preach today. <laughs> All right? So you guys, you guys get to go home and, and say, I, get, I got to hear Kevin's best message today. Uh, we'll be in the Psalms this morning. So if you would please find uh, your copies of God's Word and open uh, your Bible to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Now this can be uh, a familiar psalm for us. The psalms are a very unique entry into the Bible. They're inspired. They're, they're the words of God, but in a different way, they're the words of man. They're man speaking to God. They're full of emotion. They're full of pleas and cries. They're full of joy. If you've ever wondered what was on David's mind as his son was after his life, or how David felt after his encounter with Bathsheba, look at the Psalms. I'll tell you exactly how he felt. There's joyous psalms, there's psalms of lament, there's psalms of praise, there's psalms about God smiting our enemies. They have it all, and God has been teaching me a lot through the psalms. The psalms speak to what I think a lot of us are feeling this morning. I've um, taken some opportunity uh, in in recent months to sit down with parents, to sit down with church members, and and just kind of hear their heart. Listen to what's on their mind. And overwhelmingly, the thing that I heard people say that they're struggling with is uncertainty. I think there's a weight of uncertainty that a lot of us are feeling. You see, three years ago, almost everyone was preparing for 2020 to be the best year ever. Right? We, we were ready. We, you know, it was going to be our year. That's what we say every year, right? It's going to be our year. Um, and every year brings about some sort of optimism and hope. But as we know, 2020 had its share of difficulties and issues. And since then, I've heard prominent church pastors. I've, I've sat down with children's ministers, and I've just kind of talked to them about the aftermath of 2020. What what are you seeing in your church members? What are you guys struggling with? What are you dealing with? And a lot of them said that almost no one in their church was prepared for what 2020 threw at them. I'm not talking about explosive race issues and divisive politics and a global pandemic. No one could have been prepared for that. Those were symptoms of a larger problem. And I think we can all agree that 2020 revealed that a lot of us didn't have our identity in Christ. Our hope wasn't in Christ. What anchored us in life was not in Jesus. And I'm talking about good and faithful Jesus followers, people that I admire and respect. I'm included in this. We were forced to wear hats that we weren't prepared for. 
We were forced into roles that we really had no experience being in. So what I've decided to do this morning, January 1, is to plea with you to decide how you are going to handle the difficulties that 2023 is going to throw at you. I know you're expecting like a super encouraging church message, and hopefully this is something that's encouraging for you on January 1. But I think that I would miss an awesome opportunity to stand before you and let you know that you can make the decision now how you will handle the difficulties that this year will throw at you. All right, we're all ready for change. We love uh, New Year's resolutions. Everyone does. We, uh, sometimes we like to read our Bible more. We want to lose weight. We want to spend more time with family. We want to get more organized. Maybe we want to attend church more. But if, I feel like if I didn't speak to this, I would miss out on a huge opportunity to speak about the weight all of us are feeling, and that weight is uncertainty. Stuff like, will the stock market crash? Are we facing nuclear war? How will we deal with inflation? How will I recover my lost retirement? How can I provide a better future for my children? Are we headed in the right direction in this country? How will we deal with the uncertainty of tomorrow? These are all things that when I sat down with church members and families in my ministry, these are questions that they threw out because they were concerned. And I think Psalm 46 speaks well to this. The content of the psalm involves warring nations, instability in the world, what feels like creation literally coming undone, uncertainty and doubt on where we could turn and how we could overcome things. So in this psalm, I'm going to show you three responses to uncertainty that, that will help us overcome it. If you would, again, find Psalm 46 in your copies of God's Word. Verses 1 through 3. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble and it's swelling. You see, this psalm opens up by telling us that God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present, or other translations may say, he's a well-proved help in times of trouble. God's protection is completely comprehensive. Uh, externally, he is our refuge. We can seek shelter under him. We can seek comfort and peace in him. And he's our strength inwardly. He offers completely comprehensive protection. He offers better protection than any insurance company can, and he beats the Patrick Price every single time. Oh, come on, really? I tested that out on my family over Christmas, and they all laughed. Thank you, all right. He beats the Patrick Price every time. He is externally our, our refuge, and internally he gives us strength. He aids us, and he provides for us in times of need. God is a place of safety in turmoil. He's a place where we can seek cover when trouble comes. God is a very present and faithful and dependable help 
in times of trouble. It reminds me of, of phrases that I hear when natural disaster strikes. Uh, I have a family group chat, which, by the way, group chats are like the worst thing that has ever been invented. Amen? Oh, my gosh, they're terrible. But uh, my family has a group chat, and I have several family members that live down in Florida. So when a hurricane is coming, they'll start sending updates, okay, it's, it's headed on this path, and, and this is what's going on. And if it gets bad enough, it's, if it's projected to hit an area where uh, one of my sisters lives, um, they'll seek refuge elsewhere. So in, in the chat, I'll see things like, uh, we're going to evacuate to this location because it's safe. We're going to stay with a friend because they're further inland. Uh, their house is boarded up, so we feel safe here. And this is a place that we've stayed at before, so we trust it. Usually when, when disaster strikes, when trouble comes, we're, we're likely to go to a well-proved place, somewhere that we're familiar with, somewhere that we've been before. Our first thought should be to seek safety. But what's better than any help or any shelter that this world has to offer is our Heavenly Father. When uncertainty hits, when disaster strikes, our first instinct, our first reaction should be to run to God, to seek refuge under him. He is well-proved. He is faithful. He has shown time and time again that he helps in times of trouble. Our hope should not be in people, politician systems, policies, preparedness, or anything else. Our hope should be in the Lord. And because God is a faithful shelter, a refuge, and a place of security in times of trouble, we have no reason to fear. We can have radical trust. Uh, take a look at verse 2. And if you feel comfortable, uh, highlight or underline verse 2. Because uh, what's going on in verses uh, 2 through 3 is, is pretty remarkable when you think about it. Though the earth give way and the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, God is still our refuge and God is still our help. In these verses, the psalmist is literally describing creation coming unglued. Mountains are being moved. Mountains aren't supposed to move. They're not supposed to be removed from their location and thrown into the sea. Very stable things, things that, that we once found to be dependable, immovable, sure and steady, are coming undone. The earth is losing control. The sea is, is an agent of chaos to the ancient Hebrews. And so for the mountains to be thrown into the heart of the sea, this is, this is bonkers. This should not be happening right now. Chaos and evil is winning in these first three verses. This sounds horrible. And even when your world is crumbling, even when creation is coming undone, even when the once Stable things in your life are rocky. The things that you usually depend on. When you feel like you're losing all sense of control in your life. God is sure. God is steady. And God is stable. God is immovable. When we look around and, and we, we feel like we're losing control. Where does our help come from? How can we stand? Contrast the mountains with, with God, who never changes. He's always the same. He's always stable. He's always dependable. 
And as Jesus followers, we can have radical trust. We can stand on the foundations of the earth, even though it's crumbling. And we can have trust in God. We can have radical trust in God. And I can testify to that based on things in my life. Back in 2014, my wife and I faced something that was exceedingly difficult. It was extremely painful. And it's something that I would never wish upon anyone. Our, our child, our first child, our daughter, Annalise, was diagnosed with a brain condition. Uh, she was 20 weeks in the womb. We went to uh, the gender screening to find out what gender she was. And um, what do you call the radiologist? Whatever it's called. Um, she says, she says, uh-oh. <laughs> which is the last thing you want a, a doctor to say um, when you're doing a screen. She says, uh-oh. And we found out that our, our daughter had a, a, had a brain condition, and the timeline that they gave us was not good. And they said, if, if your daughter makes it to um, the delivery date, which there's a good chance that she'll be stillborn, she said, if she makes it to the delivery date, you'll probably have about an hour. And at that moment, we're, we're young, young kids. I mean, we were mid-20s, had been married two or three years at that point. And our world was rocked. We felt like creation was coming undone. But what helped us, what guided us, what gave us assurance was God and his goodness. We knew that we could run to him. We knew that God was in control. And we knew that his purposes were good. We didn't uh, try to think more positively. We didn't repeat uh, mantras to, to, to help us. Right? We didn't try to stay positive. And people uh, had told us all the time that, that they, they were impressed with our faith. How do, how, do you, how do you live like that? How are you able to have such a positive outlook? And it's because our trust was in God. He was our refuge and our strength. So when uncertainty hits, we can have radical Trust in God. We can also find security in God's presence. Take a look at verses 4 through 7. When the future seems uncertain, we can have security in God's presence. Verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. God of Jacob is our fortress. You see, we have the, a shift in, in the tone of this psalm here. We have now been taken inside uh, the refuge, inside the city, inside uh, a place of peace. Outside there's chaos and calamity and catastrophe, but inside it's a completely different story. We see this beautiful picture of this city that is immovable because of God's presence. A river runs through it. You see, in, in, for the ancient Hebrews, uh, when sieges were happening to Jerusalem, there was a very, very real fear that you were going to run out of water. And so the river takes care of that. God provides for the needs inside this city. The, the city will not be moved, unlike the mountains. The nations rage, kingdoms fall. The presence of God, though, 
provides security and safety. He says in verse 5, God will help her when morning dawns. See, at this time, it was customary for fighting to cease uh, at night, and it would normally resume at daybreak. So what it's telling us is that God's help is never delayed. God's help is always on time. Even when we go through a period of darkness, even when it feels like God's help is far off, he provides for us, and he gives us aid at the right time. None of this comes from reinforcements. It doesn't come from strong armies. It doesn't come from a strong will to fight. This comes from his presence. God is a source of safety and security. Even when all evil breaks loose, even when in your life it feels like evil is winning, when chaos is taking over, and again, you're feeling like you're losing all sense of control, God's presence is there. And I hope that you feel the, the shift in this psalm, the, the shift in tone, where it's chaos and it's nuts outside. Evil is winning, but then inside there's peace, calmness. The shift is very similar to almost every night for Candace and I. And we have two young kids. We have a, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And they make it their sole task every morning to destroy the house. That is their job, and they are very, very good at it. All right, there, there are things when they'll be dumping something out, and it's like, I just, I literally picked that up 30 seconds ago, and there it goes. All right, kids are screaming, toys are everywhere, and the same blippy song is being played for the millionth time in our house. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. But there comes a time that, like, we, we, just, we count down, and, and, and we're, we're looking forward to every single night when the kids go to sleep. Because it's so different. We're able to sit and think. We're able to just, just be with each other. And that's, that's the shift in this psalm. Chaos and calamity and, and things are nuts and chaotic. But then in God's presence is peaceful. It's quiet. We're able to be calm. God provides safety and sanctuary in his presence. When we dwell in God's presence, we can know that God is in control. So when the, when the future seems uncertain, we can know God is in control. Take a look at verses 8 through 11. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This section opens up with an invitation to see the power of God displayed in our life, right? We were taken inside the city, and it was nice, and it was peaceful, and we were able to think. We were able to be still, and now we're taken back out of the city after God works. The earth has melted Chaos was winning, but now God has put an end to chaos in the world. Frequently in the Bible, it is attributed to God when wars cease. God is in control over evil, and we see that here. He makes wars cease. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. He gives peace to his people. God is responsible for calming the chaos 
in our lives. God is responsible for helping us in times of need. And because he's in control and the one who is at work to put an end to our enemies, to evil and to chaos, we're given a very important command. And I, I really don't want you guys to miss this. If you guys feel comfortable uh, underlining um, in, in your Bible, verse 10, highlighting or underlining verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. When chaos is, when it feels like it's winning, and we're in times of trouble, this is a very under, underutilized discipline. We're told to stop. Stop worrying. Stop stressing. Stop freaking out. Rest. Pause. And know that he is God. Especially in our day and age, we don't do this enough. Right? We're busy. Life is busy. Right? We're running around. We're doing errands. We're doing soccer practice. We got to do this. We got to watch this thing. We got to run here. We got to take care of the yard, take care of the house, all this other stuff. And it's rare to find time to just be still. When was the last time you practiced this discipline? You shut off your phone, you shut off the TV, you went into a place, and you were just quiet before God and just rested in His sovereignty. I know that's difficult. I know it's difficult to find time to do that, but. God is at work in our lives. God is doing a million things at once, and we miss out on it. We don't get to see all that God is doing in our life because we're not still before a holy and sovereign God. Be still and know that I'm God. And we know out of all these situations, out of, out of all these things that uh, we're going through, God will be there to deliver us. God will be there to Get rid of the chaos, to break the bow, set fire to the chariots. But also, what will remain out of all these situations is his glory. Take a look at verse 10 again. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. What you are going through right now, or what you will go through in 2023, will be for God's glory. I know it's a, it's a weird concept to think about. But God is working all things together for your good and for his glory. Going back to our daughter, uh, she passed in 2018. So we got three uh, very wonderful years with her. And, and we're beyond thankful for those. But unspeakable good and glory came out of that. And I'm confident that there are blessings that Candace and I have yet to experience, but will soon. And you may be thinking, dude, your daughter died. How can you sit there and say good came out of it? Well, throughout our daughter's life, uh, my wife Candace had a blog uh, that, that she, she used to um, share her feelings, share her thoughts. It may be online. There's a good chance that it's still somewhere. I have no idea where it is. But she had a blog where she would share her, her thoughts and feelings. And she also used it to share the hope that we had in Christ. And that blog was shared and read by thousands of people in dozens of countries, and those numbers aren't an exaggeration. Um, I think it was about 12 to 15 countries that her blog was read in, and thousands of people read it. And for some of those people, that was the first time that they heard about the hope in Jesus. 
And we had also, we've also been given an opportunity to speak life into people who have also lost children. It's not an easy thing, but without that, without that experience that we went through, without losing our daughter, those people wouldn't give us the time of day. So we're able to stand before uh, people just like you and testify to the goodness and to the sovereignty of God. Romans 8.28 tells us, and we know that for all those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God is weaving together good and glory through your situation. It may not seem like it, but good and glory will come out of whatever difficulty you are currently going through or what you will go through in 2023. Now, I don't want to stand up here and pretend uh, like we're the only ones that have gone through difficult situations. That's not true. Many of you have a unique story. Many of you can testify to the goodness and glory of God in your lives. But some of you have not experienced an earth-shaking moment like this. Some of you won't experience deliverance from the thorns that burden you. You may not see God cure you of that disease, heal your broken relationship, or deliver you from that awful situation but he will in the life to come. You see, this city that, that we have in Psalm 46, it's not a city that you'll find on earth. It's not a real city here. It's a city in heaven. It's the city of God. And Jesus brings us to that place. The cross makes it possible for us to experience the presence of God. And if you trusted in Jesus, he will deliver you to that place. You see, because of our sin, we've been separated from God. But Jesus, because of his great love for us, went to the cross in our place and died for us. And he gives us his righteousness and allows us to experience all the goodness that God has to offer. This psalm paints a very vivid picture for us. All right, creation coming undone, nations are warring, kingdoms are falling. There's a siege against the people of God. It seems like evil is going to win, and at the last minute, God comes through for us. So what do we do when we're in the middle of the siege? What do we do when we're in the middle of the storm? I want to give you three things that you guys can do to help when you're feeling uncertainty, when you're feeling chaos winning, when you're feeling like calamity is taking over. Three things. Uh, feel free to write these down or, or don't, I suppose. Uh, number one, pray about it. Pray about it. Prayer is my number one go-to when I'm feeling anxious or worried. Not that long ago, my wife and I went through grief, grief counseling to help us uh, with the process of our daughter dying. And in that first session, uh, the pastor said something that I will never forget. I wrote it down because I thought it was so profound. And, and maybe when I tell you, you're going to say, well, duh. Um, but he said the beginning of grief is to acknowledge it, not to solve it. When you're going through chaos and calamity, when it, when it feels like you're losing control, the first thing that you can do to help yourself is just acknowledge that it's there. And it resonated with me because I'm a fixer, right? When my wife has a problem, boom, three steps, problem solved, right? When she texts me that she's having a bad day, boom, here are the things that you can do, just fix your day, 
right? But that's not what she wants, right? She just wants me to listen. And it's hard. I'm not, I, like, I, I want to help. I want to offer solutions, right? But sometimes when, when we're going through difficult situations, we're in such a rush to go through it that we miss out on an awesome opportunity to come before the presence of God, to cling to the throne, and have God reveal his glory through difficult situations. So just pray about it. Acknowledge that it's there. Sometimes it's just, it's crying out to God and saying, God, this situation is terrible and I hate it. That's okay. But the end goal of prayer is not to tell God how big our problems are, but to tell our problems how big our God, how big our God is. See, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God loves it when we go to him with our problems. God loves it when we cry out to him in the midst of difficulty. I think about my children. The worst thing that my children deal with right now uh, at such a young age, they deal with skin knees. uh, They deal with difficulty sharing toys and having to take a nap. It's the worst thing that they experience, but it's the best thing. Like, it makes me feel so good as a dad when my children come to me with their problems, right? When they're upset and they say, Daddy, and they, and they come up. That's how God feels when we go to him with our problems. Loves it. Run to God. Pray about it. Acknowledge your problems before God, but also rest in the sovereignty of God. Number two. So the first thing you can do is you can pray about. Number two, you can interact with your Bible. And there are a few ways that we can do this. Uh, for me, what has been super helpful is journaling through the Psalms. I, don't, I probably don't do this as much as I should, but it's something that I try to do often. Is I'll, I'll take a scripture and I'll, I'll take a notepad and I'll just start journaling what the Psalms are telling me. Because the Psalms are emotional. They, they help with problems. I ask questions like, what is the author going through? What is the author expressing? How does this psalm help me respond to a similar situation? How can I live this out right now? How do I hear God speaking through his word? Now, obviously, journaling isn't for everyone. It's difficult for me. Memorizing scripture is such an important thing that I would encourage you guys to do. When you're in the midst of that difficult situation, having scripture on your heart and on your mind will do wonders for you. And then finally... Get involved with the discipleship group. You've probably heard Pastor Derek and Pastor Jonathan talk about the discipleship groups that Blue Valley has to offer. Do that. Get involved with them. Get accountability. Interact with Scripture. And have it be a priority for your day. And then finally, the third thing that you can do when you're faced with uncertainty is find comfort in His presence. This is one that gets neglected too often. You see, there's comfort and peace when we gather with the saints. When things go wrong in our life, sometimes our tendency is to isolate. isolate. But there's so much joy and there's so much value in worshiping with your brothers and sisters in Christ, with gathering together as the saints. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Don't put aside gathering together from church. Make the church a priority when you're going through difficulties. When we gather together to worship and hear the word, it's a picture of heaven. It's a picture of what one day when we visit that city of God will look like. When God will put an end to our suffering, pain, and wipe away every tear, and he will dwell among us. 
You can also find community in Sunday school. Sunday school is something that Blue Valley does so well. Find community in our Sunday school. Get involved with a Sunday school class. Attend it regularly. Attend it faithfully because you will be amazed at, at what gathering together in community does for your problems. This year, tragedy may strike. And right now, I want you to resolve to trust in the goodness and sovereignty of God. Commit to radical trust. Commit to dwell in his presence. And commit to remind yourself that God is in control. Would you join me in prayer?